Hello and welcome to the Soundwave Podcast. Music, technologies, stories. For people who love the art and science of listening to and enjoying recorded music. Here it's all about the art and magic of sound reproduction and related human stories. We survey music, technology, and stories from the early beginnings of relatively low high fidelity to the heyday of the 70s high fidelity and the modern age of digital and streaming. I'm your host, Pat Shepard. In keeping with the theme of the podcast to cover all kinds of audio-related topics, today I will be talking about an incredibly interesting piece of history, bone music. What is bone music? Why was it illegal? What is its relation to freedom from totalitarian governments? Tune in, as those are the topics we're going to be talking about today. From a very young age of 13, I was blown away on many levels when I heard Rush's 2112 and then, rather serendipitously, had to read Anne Rand's anthem for English class in high school. I was entirely captivated by the danger of the fascist police state controlling what you're allowed to read, think, and express. In fact, in that dark world, individuals had no name, no independence, and no values. Equality 7-2521 lives in the dark ages of a future where all decisions are made by a governing committee, all people live in collectives, and all traces of individualism have been wiped out. Despite such a restrictive environment, the spark of individual thought and freedom still burns in him, a passion which he has been taught to call sinful. In a purely egalitarian world, Equality 7-2521 dares to stand apart from the herd, to think and choose for himself, to discover electricity, and to love the woman of his choice. Now, he has been marked for death for committing the ultimate sin. In a world where the great we reigns supreme, he has rediscovered the lost and holy word, I. Neil Peart's 2112s follows very closely to Anthem's story arc. In fact, he credited Anne Rand on the album 2112, but later distanced himself somewhat from her philosophy in a Rolling Stone interview. In his story, the antagonists are the priests of the temples of Syrinx, who control every aspect of life after the elder race was banished from the planet. The protagonist discovers a guitar instead of electricity and holds this up to the priests of the temples of Syrinx as a boon to mankind, only to be angrily dismissed by the priests. The song ends with the elder race coming back to assume control of the Federation. Attempts to crush the human spirit throughout human history have failed because mankind always finds a way to resist and eventually topple the oppressive governments and dictatorships. That is the story of bone music. This first caught my eye when I saw an article from NPR, which was written way back in 2016, for All Things Considered. It starts out like this. Western music may have been changing the world in the 1950s, but if you happened to be in Russia, you were out of luck. State censorship was in full effect in the Soviet Union. And sneaking in, say, an American rock and roll record was close to impossible, but a few industrious music fans managed to find another way. 
I was instantly captivated by what this could all be about. The discovery of the history of so-called bone music was by accident. Stephen Coates, who leads the band The Real Tuesday Weld, stumbled on a disc-shaped x-ray film at a flea market, and he paused to wonder, is this an x-ray or a record? It was actually both. What he had discovered was a makeshift record etched into used x-ray film, which were playable just like a normal record on a turntable. This media had the added benefit of providing a fitting disguise for their contraband contents. Don't forget that during the post-World War II Cold War, the Soviet Union clamped down on any music or art coming out of the West that officials deemed as decadent or culturally corruptive. Latin rhythms, the mango, tango, were all forbidden because they were seen as being over, overly sensuous, encouraging the wrong sort of passions in young people. So, in the bone music story, we have our protagonist, who's actually a group of Soviet teens from a subculture called Stilyagi, who wore trendy and often loud clothing, and who wanted to listen to Western rock and roll and jazz music. They couldn't openly have anything to do with music, so they had to find a way to copy and press the albums and then sell them. Listeners, likewise, had to brave back alleys and black markets to find this music that was pressed into the X-ray films. So why were X-ray negatives used? Well, it's not ostensibly because the X-rays bore the souls of the common man, but more simply because they were available and they did the job, as mentioned in a great article from Vice. X-rays proved to be a suitable medium. They were cheaply and easily, albeit illegally, acquired from local hospitals that were required to throw out the flammable sheets. They took the grooves relatively well, though were nowhere as good as vinyl. Some x-ray discs apparently sounded like listening to music through sand. They were easily to fold into the shirt sleeve of a pocket for a quick transaction. The x-rays were also stunningly beautiful. The Golden Dog Gang were caught selling the discs in the 1950s and were thrown into the gulag until Stalin's death in 1953. When they got out, they got back to work, this time making more elaborately designed discs until they were caught again and sent back to prison for a few more years. So you can see there was a very real price to pay for this. But even today, the human spirit continues to be tested. Even now, we have bands like Pussy Riot from Russia, whose members have been locked up for their anti-Putin messages. So art is one of the most powerful mediums for expression of human will against oppressive governments from World War II, for example, the dark and incredibly powerful artwork from prisoners in the concentration, death camps, and ghettos, to the present day with Pussy Riot. And whether you're talking Russia's 2112 or bone music from the Cold War, they are perfect examples of how the human spirit, freedom, and opposition to tyranny cannot be trampled forever. Eventually, people find a way to overcome. Well, that concludes another episode of the Sandwave Show. Hopefully, you found this one interesting and useful. Don't forget to visit my webpage, thesoundwaveshow.com, 
where you can download this podcast. And as always, I have links to materials that I use in the podcast. In this case, I have some great sources, including NPR. I've got a link to the actual Stephen Coates book on this topic, Wikipedia, YouTube, etc., etc., the Vice. Uh, so uh, check out my webpage, a lot of great material where you can dig into this subject further. Stay tuned next time for another exciting episode. All content, except where noted, is copyright Pat Shepard and thesoundwaveshow.com. This theme song is something I put together in GarageBand. See you next time.